yourselves in front of that cell phone, it's time for Sequel Decay, the only movie review podcast to ever exist on this here planet Earth. Starring the internet opinion havers extraordinaire, Stefan Salahio, Brandon Pollock, and Chris Rather. Listen as the try-hard trio and their merry band of friends struggle to get through the day one franchise at a time. chewing action folks oh right i did that didn't i <laughs> yeah Joker episode. right right which i listened to about 20 minutes of. oh nice it's awful fuck you chris <laughs> welcome to sequel decay everyone welcome back it's been decades a week decades Sure. Welcome we... to the sequel to K Halloween special. Yeah, the, the first. Well, I mean, technically, this whole month was supposed to be Halloween specials. Yeah, and but... we almost succeeded. Well, I think this month was supposed to lead up to Halloween, but unfortunately, we got sidetracked because of Thanksgiving, because of recording issues, because of scheduling conflicts. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did we record this week? We got we have no twenty nineteen. Your 2019 movie. Or 2019. That was supposed to be Blair Witch. That was supposed to be Blair Witch. And we had... Joker was supposed to be... Oh, God. I don't even remember what Joker was supposed to be. I forget. Oh, Scream. 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 Right, right, right. Joker was supposed to be Scream. That week in Thanksgiving where the 2019 episode actually came out was uh, supposed to be Jordan Peele. And the Jordan Peele week was supposed to be... Either a Peter Jackson episode or a George Romero dead episode. It was supposed to be something like that. Yeah, I think I think at the end we were leaning towards George Romero until we said, fuck it, we're doing Jordan Peele. Yeah, so. until we said, fuck it, because, you know, of Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then, this week was supposed to be Tales from the Crypt. And then we found out that the fucking Nostalgia Critic did it. Yeah. Well, at least he covered Demon Knight. And we didn't want to feel like we were... Like copying one of the shittiest fucking content creators on YouTube. When we not start because to... not because we're worried about plagiarism. No, no, no. Just because we don't want our reputation to be sullied by you know garbage. Once we start like copying, or, like becoming lower rate nostalgia critic, is when we should really just, just, just cut it out. <laughs> just, just end it all. Yeah. So this was going to be a Tales from the Crypt themed episode where we talked about all three movies and then. Nostalgia Critic put out his video on Demon Knight, which, even though we planned this months in advance. Yeah, we just, maybe at some point in the future, but like right now we just, it's just too recent. Yeah. I still want to do it. And we'll probably, and we're going to touch on them briefly this week. Yeah. Because this week we're still going to be touching on the topic of anthology movies. Mm -hmm. But specifically we're going to be covering the Creepshow franchise instead, Mm -hmm. which is also based or inspired by, sorry, the EC Comics that inspired Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, exactly. So including the we're act- winning either way. Including the actual Tales from the Crypt comic. Yeah. So, Chris, what are the Creepshow movies anyway? Okay, so, as I alluded to like 30 seconds ago. Chris, Creep- <laughs> don't get short with me, you bitch. 
Look at Charlotte. We'll fucking kill you. Finally. I guess but, before we start, I should kind of go go over how the um, how the episode's going to be run. It's going to be very freestyle. Uh-huh. Very freewheeling. We're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. Because the last couple weeks have been us touching very, 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 I guess, deeper yeah. <laughs> analysis of films that have come out recently. Mm-hmm. And this week, fuck it, we just wanted to have fun. For the first half of the episode before our intermission, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about Creepshow. Yeah. We're going to talk about Creepshow 1, 2, and 3. Barely 3. Barely yeah, 3. We're not, we're, <laughs> 3 is it's a whole separate beast. That <laughs> 3 is a whole separate beast that feels more like an unofficial sequel than anything else. It feels almost like a fan-made, fan-made sequel or something. Yeah, kind of, actually. It's but, awful. But that also is me disrespecting fan-made sequels because I feel like they have more integrity than Creepshow 3 actually does. I've seen the whole thing. I'm so sorry. I watched it a very long time ago. I made it about an hour through. And that was in preparation for this, but you kind of gave me an out. So like, I, uh, no, no, I abs- for the record, I absolutely did give you an out. Yeah, yeah. I so, said to you, if you make it five minutes in, I respect you. Yeah, I got about 55 minutes in, and then I was like, you know what, I don't I don't need to put myself through 45 <laughs> more minutes of this. This, <laughs> this is enough. Yeah, it's terrible. Um... But, yeah, the first half will be specifically about Creepshow. We're just going to kind of go back and forth between Creepshows 1 and 2. When we go to intermission, we are going to talk more loosely about horror anthologies that we like, some that we hate. And, correction, you are going to do that because I've seen very little. (laughs) Yeah, but you're still going to bounce off of me a little bit. Okay, yeah, I'll be there. That was a great point, Chris! (laughs) Gee, I sure like it when they do that in a movie. (laughs) Gee, I sure like the line two, four, six, say you can watch me masturbate from Bordello of Blood. <laughs> Chris. You ask me what creep show is, or you just gonna stare at me all fucking day? You're so mesmerizing. It's impossible to take my eyes off it. I just want to look at you. What's Creep Show? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. In 1982, um, Stephen King and George Romero came together. Um, George Romero being the director of um, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, um, Day of the Dead, and etc. And Stephen King being Stephen King. They made a horror anthology film called Creep Show which is based on the 50s horror comics like the EC's Tales from the Crypt and stuff like that. Not one, but three of these movies got made. Um, Two of them involved Romero and King. Mm -hmm. The third one involved neither. And there's also a TV show on Shudder, which, full disclosure, I have not had a chance to watch it yet. Because fuck streaming services. I actually was going to get a free trial for Shudder for this. (laughs) No, Chris, I need you to back me up on this. It looks really good. Why do you never have my back on anything? It looks really good. Obviously, the first one is the one that everyone, I think, remembers more than any other for very obvious reasons. That being that... It's the best one? It's the best one by far. Uh Um, I actually quite like Creepshow 2. I know you're not as fond of it as I am. Yeah, I'm not not a huge fan of it. Like, I enjoy it more just because it's fun. Mm -hmm. And I get a little bit of fun out of it. I hate Creepshow 3. Creepshow 3 is god-awful. If 
which I, I mean, I think we've had we've said up. more than enough about Creep Show three. We're yeah. done with Creep Show three. Yeah, um, you're never gonna hear us talk about it again beyond this point. I don't know if you're gonna be able to hold yourself to that promise or hold me to that promise because boy, does that movie merit some a good beating down on. So we're gonna take turns, kind of describing each of the segments mm-hmm. from the two. Mm-hmm. Fuck the third. Yeah, the third. I don't even remember a lot of the third, except from like some very general outlines and how much I hated them and how mean spirited they are. So we're, we're not. Gonna we're not gonna worry about, about specifics in the third. We're one. gonna talk about the first two. Yeah. So I guess I'll start with Creepshow One. Yeah, I guess we will start with Creepshow One. Are you gonna start with the prologue or the actual first segment? Oh, we could start with the prologue because so the wraparound segment for Creepshow One involves a father who finds out that his son is reading horror comics. Mm-hmm. He beats the shit out of his son <laughs> for reading horror <laughs> comics because this is the 1950s. I guess. I guess. And if not the 40s. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I guess the 50s would have been closer to when they were popular. Well, the 50s would have been when they were popular, but his attitude seems very 40s. Yeah. Anyway... I mean, there's not a lot, there's not exactly a lot of breathing room between the 40s and 50s. That is true. But anyway, so, beats the shit out of his kid, and his wife is like, well, you didn't have to fucking do that, while we're all sitting there going, thank you, someone said it. Yeah. And later we find out, because this is a wraparound segment, which means that it's the prologue and the epilogue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in the epilogue we find out that he has a voodoo doll and he kills his dad via the voodoo doll Mm -hmm. that's basically the wraparound segment for creep show one does he kill his dad or does he just leave him in agonizing pain i think he kills him well i mean either way who cares he fucks him up real bad fun fact the little kid in the first wraparound segment is actually is credited as joe king he is stephen king's son yep joe hill Yep, Joe, he, he's now known professionally as Joe Hill, and he is now a novelist, and he also wrote the comic book Lock and Key, which I still need to finish. Yeah, he also wrote the book Horns, which uh, the Daniel Radcliffe movie is based on. Which which Daniel Radcliffe? The What's it called? Horns. Horns? Oh, right! The movie shit, <laughs> I've never read the book. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I had no idea. But uh, it also, this is also like the intro to the first movie, and it has this little like Anima- animated segment too mm-hmm. which i think is really well done it's it's a, and the music is really cool the music is really cool throughout like the entire first movie i think oh my god yeah like it never really recaptures that in the movies after that mm-hmm. but um yeah it's a neat little it's a very cool framing device yes because all the all the uh rest of the segments are like suggested to take place in the comic book that the dad throws out yeah so like every one of them begins like a very with a very static shot Mm-hmm. And then they come to uh, like, like as in like the it starts with the panel from the comic book, and then it like transitions into like a live action just static shot, and then they start moving. It's almost like a wax museum coming to life or something. Yeah. So I think that's a really cool framing device for all these segments. Hmm. Um. So I guess uh, why don't you tell us what the uh, first major segment of the film? So the Father's Day. Father's Day is so fun. <laughs> Where's my cake? <laughs> so, <laughs> where's my cake, Bedelia? <laughs> so, Father's Day centers around a family of rich assholes who um, get together every Father's Day to celebrate uh, 
the matriarch of the family having murdered her father. It's delightfully twisted. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. and then the father comes to life and starts murdering them all. Well, re comes. He's like a fucking zombie. Yeah, he he rises from the dead and kills everybody. Um, the last shot of him bringing out the cake with yeah. her head. That's so funny. I got my cake! <laughs> um, one thing I want to talk about, and it's going to be something that comes up a lot when we talk about Creepshow overall, mm-hmm. is during the big scares, It that those are the moments where it really feels like a comic. Yeah. Because of the lighting. Mm-hmm. Like, the lighting is incredible, how it just kind of trans... Like, how it goes back and forth from, like, red to black. Yes. <laughs> or, sorry, definitely. not red to black. Red to blue. A mm-hmm. little bit of blacks in there. And it's... It's so... It's very, uh... It's very over-the-top. Silver Age comics. Very Silver Age. It's very over-the-top. It gets you into the mindset. And it brings that vibe to life so fucking well. And I think it does that so much better than Tales from the Crypt ever could. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's one thing. is like, Tales from the Crypt gets the camp down really well. But it doesn't get, like, the Silver Age comic vibe down as well. Mm -hmm. And this isn't just the movies. This is also the TV show. Right. But I think the first Creepshow movie was able to do that incredibly well. I'm surprised how well it, like, pulled out the comic book thing. Because, like, even, like, so- at some point you just straight up see them transition to another scene via, like, a panel. Mm-hmm. And, like, I thought it would, like, break my immersion, but, like, it actually works really well. Mm-hmm. Maybe just because everything is so, like, kind of heightened and goofy. Yeah, like, everything is very over the top and very goofy. Just a couple things. Um, One I love, Vivica Linforce and her very... Very, very prevalent Swedish accent, which is Bedelia. <laughs> yes. And also, um, it this is the first, like, segment that you kind of get to see, like, one of the driving themes of the first Creepshow movie is, like, kind of an examination of, like, the perverseness of a lot of the upper class. Yeah, and I don't know... I don't necessarily think you're reading too much into it either. No, no, Because, no. I mean, if you look at what George Romero had made before that, which is... Night of the Living Dead. Dawn of the Dead. And Dawn of the Dead. One being, you know, a movie that has a lot of social commentary about race. Mm-hmm. And the other being a movie that has a lot of social commentary on consumerism and capitalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's probably... I, I have a very sneaking suspicion that Uncle George <laughs> was trying to say something, kind of. Mm-hmm. At the very least, kind of. Mind you, it's not, like, it's not vapid, but it's not, um, super, super deep either. No, Like, no, it's no. not as deep as, like, Dawn of the Dead or Night of the Living this Dead. This ain't, this, this movie's called Creep Show, folks, not Deep Show. <laughs> deep Show sounds like a porn film. It really does. <laughs> but, anyway, I thought that was really cool. It's, um, kind of a goofy, a goofy way of getting people introduced to the concept of eating the rich. Mm-hmm. Literally, in the last one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh yeah and also i just like seeing rich people get murked so it's very fun yeah, yeah. especially these guys because they're just so delightfully like evil dickheadish <laughs> yeah, they're such fucking assholes <laughs> like the the matriarch's daughter i think or aunt or something like just talks in this monotone like this mm-hmm. and <laughs> there's this like very camp dude who's like the the main girl's brother mm-hmm. i think and he's 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 I, he's got some really funny lines too. He's also a huge, they're all huge dickheads, mm-hmm. and it's 
just the greatest of fun seeing them all get murdered in hilarious ways, like one guy getting a tombstone dropped on him. (laughs) (laughs) Very slowly but surely, too. Like, he takes his sweet-ass time with it. Again, for comedic effect. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He scurries back a little bit and the tombstone scurries forward a little bit. (laughs) It was really funny. And I re- and it was funny because like I was realizing as I was watching it again, it's like, you know, he could have just like flipped over. Yeah, <laughs> that's all he had to do was just like roll over this way, or roll over that way, and he would have been fine. Mm-hmm. But no, <laughs> he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> um. Anyway, Chris. Yes. Why don't you talk about the lonesome death of Jody Barrow? You mean the greatest segment in all of Creepshow history? It's so it's fucking so good. funny. It's surprisingly sad. <laughs> it's very sad, but also incredibly funny. Yeah. So it's like, what if the color out of space was hilarious? <laughs> <laughs> and started coked up Stephen King. <laughs> I assume he was coked up in his only comedic performance. Yeah, he was wonderful in it. He though. is so funny in it. Um. So. Stephen King plays a farmer, uh, Jody Verrill, mm-hmm. who discovers a meteorite that hit his farm. Mm-hmm. And after fantasizing, going, "Oh shit, I could make two hundred dollars off of this thing," <laughs> and after he Jody Verrill's on the short in the brain department, <laughs> and after he crosses his eyes, God knows how many times. Yeah, yeah. He accidentally breaks it open, gets sad because he realizes he might only get like. 25 cents off of it now Mm -hmm. again short-sighted he's a little unclear on the concept of numbers but you know aren't we all Mm -hmm. even though they probably would have taken the fucking meteorite regardless probably they probably would have been like oh thanks for opening it up now we can examine it properly how does one thousand dollars (laughs) sound poor georgie barrel and after he opens it up and after he exposes himself to it not sexually of course of course not georgie's Um, a sweet boy georgie's a good boy um but after he's exposed to it he starts to uh, grow weeds all over not just his farm, but also himself. Mm-hmm. Until it ends with him blowing his fucking brains out. Yeah. Or I guess whatever's left of his brains. Yeah, he looks. He kind of looks like he a... He basically looks like a fucking pile of grass. He looks like the Swamp Thing without Stephen Bissett's detail. <laughs> there's, again, like, these are pretty short vignettes, so there's not too much to say. No. But it, it is... Stephen King is fucking hilarious. He's he basically pulls this entire thing off on his own, mm-hmm. and he's very funny. Like in this kind of like, I don't want to say punching down, but kind of punching down like white like hick kind of guy. Yeah. Um. But he's it's also very sad by the end. Yeah. Like, like it's not like this. He's is, not like a bad dude. <laughs> no. Like this isn't punching down in this. This isn't completely punching down in the way that like the Hangover Three punches down. Yeah. We're back at it, folks. Full fucking circle. The scariest part of this month was listening to Todd Phillips talk. <laughs> I think um, that was the low light of all of our of our, of our month. Really, is learning what like how much of a fucking moron Todd Phillips actually is. Yeah, it's not punching down in the way that like the Hangover Three punches down. It's definitely punching down, but it doesn't feel like superbly mean spirited. Yeah, it doesn't feel like. Like, you still sympathize with this character by the end of it. You, you, If anything, you pity him at the beginning, and then you sympathize with him at the end. And I think the way that it's written really helps. Mm-hmm. I think, because Stephen King wrote the screenplay for this movie. So we highly recommend that segment. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I recommend all the segments. I recommend just, the entire movie. Yeah, yeah. Let's get that out of the way. It's my turn 
Yay, which one I, are you going to talk about? Something to tide you over. Ooh, my favorite segment in the whole movie, actually. It's my, well, I think it's probably my, oh man, I like them all a lot. I think the last two were my two favorites, so. But anyway, Something to Tide You Over stars uh, Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ted Danson was caught sleeping with Leslie Nielsen's wife. So, uh, Leslie Nielsen takes him out to the beach and uh, buries him up to his neck as the tide comes in, which he also does to his wife. And uh, they... Who knew that this movie predicted O.J. Simpson? Yeah. And then they drown, and then uh, shenanigans ensue. <laughs> shenanigans. Shenanigans. And, and, holy... by, and by shenanigans, boy do we mean they come back from the dead, just like in Father's Day. <laughs> Except they're not asking for cake. They buried Leslie Nielsen up to his neck and let him drown. And he, don't worry though, Leslie Nielsen can hold his breath for, for a, a long, long time. time. <laughs> it's surprising how like the first half of this film, of the of this not this film, the segment is like surprisingly creepy. Yeah, it's just really for. It's not really a horror thing. It's more. It's but it's just there's a very uh, foreboding atmosphere. And Leslie Nielsen is surprisingly like fucking incredible in this. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, like this was this was at a point in Leslie Nielsen's career when he was transitioning from drama to comedy. Mm-hmm. This was before Naked Gun. This was right. before this was right around the time when Police Squad was on TV. Oh right, but this was definitely before Naked Gun. Like mm-hmm. this was before the movies. Yeah. Um, and this was right after Airplane. Yeah. Okay. So this was right after Airplane. Right around the time when Police Squad was on TV, but definitely before like the Naked Gun movies hit. Mm-hmm. So this was before Leslie Nielsen became known mostly as a comedic actor. Right. But before that, he was mostly known for drama. Mm-hmm. Which so, is kind of strange to think about now. Which, yeah, nowadays, like, and especially how young we are, like, we mostly know Leslie Nielsen as goofy comedy boy. Yeah, like, especially, like, a lot of the parody movies, like Scary Movie. Oh, yeah, and, superhero uh, movie. Superhero movie. Um, which... I remember being funny in, but, like, I also remember that those movies are fucking awful, so, like, who knows at this point? I haven't seen them in years. I kind of want to watch them again, just to see how Leslie Nielsen is in them, but I do remember him being the highlight of them all. Yeah, but, like, I think think it's safe to say his highlights are more so Airplane and Naked Gun. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Spy Hard. I've never seen it. Should I see it? Uh, no. (laughs) Okay, um... Ted Danson is also good, but I think Leslie Nielsen definitely steals the show. Um, if it weren't for Leslie Nielsen, this probably wouldn't be as creepy as it is. No, 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 no. Like, almost undoubtedly. Like, yeah, it gets kind of silly at points, but again, like, you're basing this on 50s horror comics, it comes to the territory. Yeah, and, like, the the goofy side of Leslie Nielsen's character plays off his, like, intense side so well. Like, mm-hmm. those moments, like, when he's, like, watching the cam footage from his home and he starts laughing and then it just trans- transforms into just, like, like dead-eyed stare. Yeah. It's... Oh, man. Like, like, it plays off... Like, he plays off of both ends so effortlessly. It's like Jim Carrey's performance in I Love You, Philip Morris, where he's able to go from incredibly fucking over-the-top and goofy to incredibly fucking serious and borderlining on emotional. Mm-hmm. Like, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Leslie Nielsen's performance is, like, undoubtedly the best performance in the entire movie. Oh, there's no, there's not even any competition. No, absolutely not. Like, it's so fucking good. <laughs> My favorite part is when, like, Ted Danson, like, tells him to shut the fuck up or something. And he's like, <laughs> unkind, Harry, unkind! Um, I just felt like I had to get it out. I didn't know when I was going to get it out. 
Another great segment in the film. Mm-hmm. Love it so much. It's it's probably my favorite creep show segment, honestly. It's definitely up there for me. I think the next one is definitely among my top two favorite, though. Yeah, Chris, talk about the crate. The crate involves, um, <laughs> okay, so the crate involves a group of people mm-hmm. in a university discovering a spooky crate. Yeah, with a monster in it, mm-hmm. and one of because they're all scientists right mm-hmm. yeah so well there a lot of university professors yeah a lot of universities yeah a lot again of the upper crust of society the upper boys so <laughs> these so these professors and scientists kind of try like they're just kind of like not sure what to do with this fucking thing and one of them specifically finds a way to lure his bitch of a wife <laughs> His bitchy, drunk, alcoholic embarrassment of a wife. Clearly, this movie has a thing with women. Yeah, not as much. It doesn't have as much of a problem with women as Creepshow Three, though. No, no, it doesn't. And I mean, like, I think this is the only segment that actually kind of has some sort of a vendetta lot of against sexist women. undertones. Yeah, a lot of sexist undertones. Mm. Um, but he lures his fucking wife into the crate. Who is actually like? probably the least even even like despite the fact that she's so unpleasant is probably the least horrible character <laughs> or among them anyway well i mean they're all shitty fucking people um and i and in no way shape or form would i even like consider being with this person and if i were him i would have just gotten you know fucking divorce but again <laughs> the movie wouldn't have happened yeah yeah the worst yeah but yeah i, I know what you mean anyway keep talking um, it was, yeah, but I agree with you, I guess, that she's, like, the least shitty of the characters. The main characters, anyway. Yeah, the main characters. She's actually really entertaining. <laughs> she's really, she's played by Adrian Barbo, mm-hmm. who plays a Catwoman in Batman the Animated Series. Oh, shit! Yeah. Fuck yeah. It was re- I was really happy when I found that out. Because she wonder, was great as Catwoman. Yeah, too. she's great as Catwoman. She's fantastic as drunk, bitchy wife. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, tell us what the actual, what actually happens in the crate. Because we've been, been talking about Billy the whole fucking time. Why don't you tell us? You, it's your turn. <laughs> I don't want to. Well, isn't that fucking nice for you? <laughs> I don't wanna. If I, well, I didn't want to watch fucking anything of Creepshow 3, Chris. And I gave you an out. Shut the fuck up, Chris. <laughs> I don't need your sass. So, Stefan, what happens in the crate? Okay, so... A janitor and one of the uh, professors find a um, a crate that da- is dated back to the early 19th century. Yeah. From, I think it was Antarctica? I think so, yeah. And anyway, so there's this monster in there. There's a monster in the crate that devours the janitor. Yeah. And everybody else who happens to wander into the Basically, laboratory. yeah. Because I think, like, a giant chunk of the segment is basically just watching people get eaten. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah. And a bunch of people meet their deaths, and one of the... the, Again, the other professor takes the opportunity to try to lure his wife there. Uh, He does so successfully. And he does so successfully in the end. Um, Because, like, a big chunk of the segment involves his issues with his wife. Yeah. Like, that's the thing, is, like, half of it, what I described, was stuff involving the wife. Mm-hmm. And then the other half of it is basically just watching people get fucking devoured. Yeah, um, like I like I said, it 
before it like kind of contrasts the just kind of vapid casual evil of the upper class Mm -hmm. i would say just because the like the the professor that murders his wife is like undoubtedly like this fucking horrible person Mm -hmm. and clearly thinks he's better than her well and she is unpleasant to be fair Um, it's not so much that he thinks that he's better than her he's trying to prove that he is brave yeah like in a way it's it's a way for him to prove to himself like oh i can stand up against this bitch yeah. I can just lure her into this monster crate. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, the monster design is incredible, too. That thing is so fucking creepy. It looks really fucking creepy for a little bit. Um, it doesn't freak me out as much as you. Well, I mean, the first shot of it, I think, is what freaked me out. Oh, the first shot of it, Because yeah. when it, like... So the crate kind of falls on its side and the janitor's arm is stuck in it. Yes. And then it opens and you see this thing that almost looks like a, like a macaque or something. Mm-hmm. But it's got like an elongated snout and these tiny eyes and like these like three rows of teeth. Mm-hmm. It is, it was so fucking creepy. It got, again, it got less creepy for me like as I saw it more and yeah. more. But um, it is a really cool design. And oh yeah, like the effects were fantastic on that thing and the design of it is fantastic um mm-hmm. tom zavini man ah. <laughs> um for those of you who don't know uh, tom zavini is a visual effects artist who often works with george romero and also directed the night of the living dead remake from 1990 oh really he also played the creep in creep show too oh yeah i knew that yeah uh, i remember seeing him credited mm-hmm. um i like i also like how it ends with like the two professors like doing their usual chess playing routine as if nothing had happened (laughs) which i think does kind of go back to underline my point and then they just dump the fucking crate in yeah (laughs) just like any fucking mob movie just like (laughs) (laughs) um it's my least favorite segment i think of the five really yeah Mm. and it's more just because i think it's a little too long it is quite long. It is really long. Like, I think it's the longest segment in the whole movie. And ultimately, there's nothing wrong with the, with the segment being, like, long if, you know, you have something to support it with. I think if it's probably... paced well, it's fine. And I think it's paced mostly well. It's just that I think it gets kind of repetitive at points, especially with a lot of the deaths. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until it started getting into, like, him luring his wife down to the crate that it started to get interesting again. Yeah. I think it would have been funny. Now, with that said, I still like it. Yeah, I think part of me, and I think this kind of like would have unraveled a lot of the ending, like thematically. But part of me thinks it would have been kind of funny if, like, the thing just didn't even pay attention to his wife and just ate him instead. (laughs) I think what would have been funnier is if it just didn't wake up at all. Also, would have been very funny. You're better. You're better writer than Stephen King. Yeah, fuck you. The scariest thing to a white man is prison. Especially a white rich man. <laughs> You're not wrong, I guess. How can I bang my TA from this cell? <laughs> well, I think we've talked about the crate long enough. Mm-hmm. So, that brings me to the last segment of the first creep show. Which I will do the honors of. Because I think I just kind of held on the crate. Okay. Um, Chris, tell us about They're Creeping Up On You. The funny croc... Croc... <laughs> Crocodile? That would have been a very different... <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> that would have been wild. Um, lead me in again. <laughs> Chris, why don't you tell us about... They're creeping up on you. 
the funny cockroach segment. Mm-hmm. Um, so this segment is, I think, a little on the lengthier side, too, but still, like, really, really fun. I think this might be my favorite. This one is probably my third favorite. So this is about a rich asshole played by E.G. Marshall. Also known as uh, Juror Number 4 in 12 Angry Men and the President of the United States in Superman 2. Yes. <laughs> in this one, he plays a rich asshole. <laughs> yeah, like I said, the President of the United States. <laughs> Got him! <laughs> <laughs> On the fucking ball as always. He's just kind of an arrogant prick who's really bitchy about cockroaches. He's clearly a germaphobe. He's Yeah, he lives in this very sterile white penthouse apartment. Which kind of looks like something you'd see in THX 1138. Definitely, actually, yeah. Um, And basically, as the movie goes on, it becomes more and more of a prick, firing people left, right, and center, and, you know, getting bitchy at his landlord, yeah. and just... Buying out his co- buying out other companies, buying left out and other right. companies left and right. He is Walt Disney, <laughs> <laughs> or as this is going on, more and more cockroaches start to um, inhabit his apartment. Yeah, until they finally completely infest the fucking place, and then him. Mm-hmm. And the last shot of the fucking segment, I'm sorry, one of the last shots of the fucking segment, which involved the cockroaches bursting out of his fucking chest (laughs) that was disgusting that was awesome there's actually a featurette where um tom savini where it's like some video footage Mm -hmm. of like showing how tom savini and the visual effects artists actually pulled that shot off Mm -hmm. and it looks incredible yeah (laughs) something i'll say about creep show overall as well beyond the lighting and the music is also how fucking great the visual effects are and how great tom savini is at doing those effects Mm -hmm. definitely like, this is why practical effects are going to last longer than CGI. Goddamn, everything in this movie looks great. Yeah. Again, like, th- and this is probably the last time I'll bring it up, but, like, this also goes back to my point of this movie's views on rich people, mm-hmm. where Pratt is not not only just a stereotypical, like, Disney-style voracious capitalist, but he's also a, a, a contemptuous asshole. Yeah. Like, he really fucking hates like people who he perceives as, as as lower than him which is everybody yeah um and he a lot of the things that he says about cockroaches could easily be interpreted about him talking about like commoners yeah um, exactly like literally switch out him saying bugs with i don't know the pores or something mm-hmm. and like you get you know you don't get far from a bunch of today's hyper rich assholes yeah so that's probably the last time I'll bring it up, mainly because the next movies don't really touch on it at all. Not really. Um, like, the second one certainly doesn't, and the we're, third, not, no. we're done talking about the third one. <laughs> um, we're going to give that thing as much attention as they put effort into it. Yeah, there you go. Hey. <laughs> um, no, it's this one's definitely one of my favorite segments as well, especially for that last shot, because it's just so fucking ugh. Yeah. But I love it so much. E.G. Marshall is hilarious in it, mm-hmm. kind of. Like, the best thing about these performances, a lot of the time, like Stephen King's performance, E.G. Marshall's performance, um, Hal, Hal, Hal Holbrook's performance, Leslie Nielsen's performance to an extent, is that they're very over-the-top. Yeah. And they're very unapologetically over-the-top. Yeah. I think is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. And, again, E.G. Marshall is no exception. He's fantastic in this. Mm-hmm. 
Go out and fuck somebody. <laughs> um, Wear a rubber, though. Everybody's got the herpes these days. <laughs> this movie was clearly made in 1982. It was definitely 1982. This is peak 1982. But, yeah. What an awful decade. Yeah, the 80s were bad. <laughs> um, It's so fucking fun. It's so fucking entertaining. Um, Stefan, do you have anything else you want to say about it? Uh, not really. I like the vi- the very last shot of, like, Everything is clean except the panic room where yeah, this is completely room. covered with bugs. I think there's like a sick irony to that too. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's definitely got layers to it. Mm-hmm. So I guess overall on Creep Show, it's so funny. I really like it. It's really creepy when it wants to be. It's super atmospheric when it wants to be. It's got that comic book vibe down to a T, mm-hmm. especially in the lighting. Yeah. And especially in a lot of the cinematography. The music's incredible, the lighting's incredible, Tom Savini's visual effects are incredible, mm-hmm. the script is really well written, and really clever. Yeah. It's so fucking entertaining, I love it so much. I'm so glad this movie exists, <laughs> because I think it's one of my favorite Halloween movies. It's a fun movie to like just pop on and have fun with, I would I feel. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just 2 hours of just and it doesn't really feel its length either. It's no. really well paced. Yeah. Like there's moments where it starts to feel its length, I'd say especially in the crate. Probably but... during the crate. Um I think is the one that suffers from the biggest pacing issues. Yeah. So, I guess now that we're done with Creep Show, um I guess let's organize these segments from best to worst. Stefan, you want to start? Best to worst? Um my favorite is uh, they're creeping up. They'll creep up on you. What the fuck is that one called? They're creeping up on you. They're creeping up on you. Uh, then the after that would probably be uh the Leslie Nielsen one. Oh, um, something to tide you over. Something to tide you over. Then the crate. Then Father's Day. Then the Loans of Death of, jo- of Jordy Barrow. I will reiterate though that I really like all of these and it's very close. Yeah. The, like all the way around. They're all very close and I think I would basically say that all of these are damn near a 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. except for the crate which I would say is an 8 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with something to tide you over. Mm-hmm. Lonesome Death of Jody Barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, they're creeping up on you. Father's Day and then the crate. Okay. And, super honorable mention, the wraparound segment is really fun. It is very fun. It is very entertaining. It's it's hard to kind of rank it in there, but it's nice. Yeah. I was I was even thinking before I knew that little kid was joking. He's like, man, that little kid really looks like a little Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> and I was right, so. Alright, so I guess we'll go to Creepshow 2 now, which we'll is going to be a lot shorter. Yeah. Because there's only three segments... Because two of them got cut due to budget issues. Two of them got cut due to budget issues. Um, this film was directed by someone else, completely different. Who I got gotcha. you. Um, but the screenplay was written by George A. Romero, and it's still based the, off of Stephen King's story. With the story, with stories by Stephen King, one of them actually being directly based off of a short story he wrote in the anthology novel Skeleton Crew, which also includes the novella The Mist. That is true. Which is a terrific novella, and I strongly recommend it. It is directed by Michael Gornick, whose only Wikipedia page is in Italian. Goody. This is only... I, I I can't read Italian, but based on what I know from uh, Spanish, it, it looks like this is his only directorial credit. But he also um, was uh, the cinematographer for 
uh, Vampire, Dawn of the Dead, Night Riders, uh, Creepshow, and Day of the Dead. So like he mostly worked on uh, George on uh, George Romero projects. It looks like. Yeah, he did Day of the Dead, Creepshow, Night Riders, Dawn of the Dead, and Martin. Mm-hmm. The hell is Martin? Martin's that vampire one you were confused oh. about. Oh, okay. Um, and he directed six things actually. He directed um. Four episodes of The Winners, um, Stephen King's Golden Tales, four episodes of Tales from the Dark Side, Creepshow 2, Monsters, and Golden Years, which is another Stephen King adaptation. It's a miniseries. Oh, okay. But or, this is only feature credit. This is his only feature film credit. Most of his credits are in TV or shooting, you know. Um, script was written by George Romero, written. featuring stories by Stephen King. Uh, it was also written uncredited by Lucille Fletcher. Oh! Who also... Uh, Wrote for the Twilight Zone, I believe, at one point. Oh, no, never mind. She wrote a radio play for Orson Welles called The Hitchhiker, which was later adapted into The Twilight Zone. Oh, okay. So she's a very, she was a very prolific writer, it looks like. Oh, that's probably what The Hitchhiker segment's more based on then from uh, Creepshow 2. Quite possibly. Yeah. Um, um, anyway, so I'll quickly talk about the wraparound segment of Creepshow 2. Yeah, go for Which, it. funny enough, I actually like the wraparound segment of Creepshow 2 a little bit more than Creepshow 1. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, one, because I think it showcases the animation, and especially that comic-style animation a lot more. Yeah. And two, it, I like how the wraparound segment is more active in the film. Yeah. As opposed to in Creepshow 1, where it's just the prologue and epilogue. Yeah. But basically the wraparound segment follows a young boy who gets a Venus flytrap package that he ordered from his uh, EC comic. Mm -hmm. Or his funny Creepshow comics. I guess they call him Creepshow in the... Yeah, they call him Um, Creepshow in the show. He interacts a little bit with the creep who actually delivers the Creepshow comics from town to town, played by Tom Savini. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget who plays the little boy in the movie... Dominic John. He doesn't have a wiki page. Oh, okay. So this is probably one of his only... uh, big roles then probably um but you know he does his job so so as the film goes on and as we go from segment to segment he encounters some bullies who destroy his venus flytrap packages and kind of chase after him to kick his ass and then the segment ends with them confronting billy before a bunch of venus flytraps come out from under and eat the bullies. Yep. Have we mentioned this is almost entirely animated, too? And this is 90% animated. Yeah. And it's fucking awesome. It's, it could almost work as its own little, um, I don't want to, like, very, very, very short segment. Yeah, like, it yeah. works as its own little segment. I think it works, like I said, I think it works better than the first first one, for sure. I will say, and, like, this is more my personal preference, but, like, I don't like the creeps design. I don't mind it. I mean, I what I kind of noticed though, and I think it's just because of my love of Tales from the Crypt in general, like uh-huh. the TV show, um, is that I don't really care for uh, Tom Savini's voice as the creep. Yeah. Especially when compared to um, John Kazir, I think it is, yeah, as yeah. the Crypt Keeper mm-hmm. in the Tales from the Crypt show. Because mm-hmm. John Kazir is really good at doing the at one delivering the puns incredibly well mm-hmm. like boys and ghouls and yeah the kitties thing and i think tales from the crypt really uh really nailed that but i think in Creepshow show 2 it's like yeah tom savini's good but like compared to like john kazir as the crypt keeper in 
Tales from the Crypt, it's like, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> sorry. I also just don't, like, like, if they had kept, like, kind of the skeleton guy from, uh, yeah. the first creep show, like, I think I would have, pr- that's just a little more interesting to me than just some, like, creepy old dude. Yeah, some creepy scene. It's, it's just a missed opportunity design-wise, I feel. But that's yeah. More, that's also my personal preference, is I, I don't think old people are that scary. <laughs> but I think beyond that, I think the animation is, like, incredible. Oh, absolutely. It's, like, very, like, especially for its time, it's really, really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what's not really, really fucking good? Seconds. Yes. <laughs> All right, you start with the first one. Uh, the first one... Um, about Old Chief Woodenhead. Old Chief Woodenhead. And I actually think think this one starts off really pretty pretty well until, like, it gets kind of boring. <laughs> until it gets superbly goofy. <laughs> yeah. So t- this this old chief Woodenhead takes place in this like very uh very rural dusty desert town. Very white. I don't know about that. There's a lot of lot of native characters. Yeah, if they're not in complete fucking red face, of course. Yeah, yeah. most of the town's white. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it centers around these two old shopkeepers who, uh, in gratitude, are given a uh, some old ancient. This is a cliche, but, like, ancient native jewels as, like, a yeah. sign of gratitude for their community service or what the yep. fuck ever. It's a trope. Yeah. It's it, oh. a fucking trope. Yep. Um, it's it's the tropiest of the tropes. And then they're immediately robbed and killed by that same chief's nephew. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's a chief, actually, but his name is Ben Whitemoon. But the nephew's name is uh, Sam Whitemoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the uh, old... Uh, and while he and his dumb friends are gonna are running away, the old uh, statue of a of a native that's in front of the grocery store comes to life and murders them all, including um, Sam getting scalped alive. Oh, there's layers to that. Well, not to a scalp, <laughs> not anymore anyway. <laughs> but um, this is very this is like peak like st- bad Stephen King, I think. This is peak 80s stereotyping, and it's probably, like, it's undoubtedly the most dated creep show segment. Oh, definitely. Out of all two of them. Weirdly enough, I do like kind of, like, I, li- I like the, I like the two old folks just because they're so sweet. Yeah. Um, it's charming. Yeah. This hits the two extremes of native stereotyping, I think. Yeah. Where it's, like, one is the very noble savage thing mm-hmm. with the chief, or Ben White Moon, I guess. And uh, then the other is like this unruly, violent asshole with Sam White Moon. Yeah. Um, ben White Moon is actually played by uh, Frank Salcedo, who is actually indigenous. Mm. But his son, or Jesus, Sam is played by Holt McCallany, who plays Bill Tench on Mindhunter. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, who. Um, he is not indigenous. In fact, he's very white, and it's very, very obvious in the actual movie <laughs> because he's just literally is a white guy who they just put a little like red face on, of like they just darkened his skin and gave him this like long black wig. It's one of those segments I'm kind of conflicted on because on one hand it's probably the most engaging segment of the entire movie. Yeah. On the other hand, it's undoubtedly the most dated, tasteless, and kind of just awful. Yeah. Um, so this is probably the most conflicted I'm going to be about a creep show segment. Eh. Yeah. And I'm leaving it at that. Yeah, that's fair. There isn't too much to talk about it beyond that. Like, no, and I think I that's, that's going to be with a lot of these for creep show too, so. I don't think the kills are especially interesting either. Like, no. Not that 
it's not it's not that fun once like it starts getting goofy mm-hmm. or trying to get goofy like i think the 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 one the guy who he calls like fat stuff or whatever like that guy's just obnoxious yeah uh the the main villain isn't that He's sam fat. white moon is pretty obnoxious too yeah um, i don't know it's just it's just not that interesting once like the bad stuff starts happening yeah like this is this is kind of one of those where like as soon as shit hits the fan there's a lot of things i'm conflicted about with this segment so i'm just gonna shut the fuck up (laughs) um because like i said in terms of like what it's actually kind of about Mm -hmm. it's probably my favorite segment of the bunch yeah because it's definitely more or less a morality tale and i really like morality tales in horror i don't know why but at the same time there's so much yikes about it yeah (laughs) so I'm just, it's the most conflicted I'll ever be about a creep show segment, so put me down as an I don't fucking know. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, anyway, why don't you tell us about The Raft? Great. The Raft is based on a short story from Stephen King's anthology novel, Skeleton Crew, which also includes The Mist, mm-hmm. a wonderful novella. Actually, The Raft is a wonderful short story, too. Yeah, it looked, I read over the synopsis and it looked um, much better than the actual segment. <laughs> it's, yeah, because, like, the segment plays more like a slasher movie, mm-hmm. which I'm okay with in the sense of, fuck it, it's fun. I fucking hate slasher movies. I know you hate slasher movies. <laughs> I like schlocky slasher movies sometimes, so I have fun with it. Come back to me when we talk about the Friday the 13th movies, and oh. I tell you about how much I love Jason X. Oh. Jason X is the only good Friday the 13th Please movie. Please don't make me watch the Friday the 13th movies. It's about these college kids who decide they're going to go out to this raft because, fuck, they're high, they're drunk, they're young, they're dumb, they're full of cum. I hate that expression so fucking much. Um, But yeah, they go out there because reasons, and then... Uh, yeah, they don't really care, and then suddenly this... um mon- this mire? M- yeah, this, like, pa- this, like blotch of oil it kind of looks it's like it looks like an oil slick yeah it looks like a big oil slick appears and they're all basically killed off one by one yeah which the short story definitely kind of delves more into like the psychological aspects of it and more of like the tension of whether or not they're going to make it out yeah um the psychology of the actual like oil slick thing itself mm-hmm. um like the book is so much better. Yeah. Um, so I strongly recommend reading the short story. I don't think that Creepshow 2 does it any justice whatsoever. No. But I guess if you're just looking at it on its own, it's completely fine. It's yeah. just really stupid and kind of entertaining. It do- it, it does kind of help that these characters are completely unlikable, so oh. you just kind of want to watch them die. They're completely irredeemable. They, yeah, they don't really... They're, they're fucking cardboard cutouts. But... And well, I another think, reason I fucking hate slasher movies. And I think this is the segment that really made me miss Stephen King's presence. Because uh-huh. I feel like that's something that's sorely missing from Creepshow 2 that I kind of missed was Stephen King himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a very Stephen King kind of premise. This is a very Stephen King premise, and it feels very um, not Stephen Kingified. I'm very shocked that George Romero wrote it this way, as I feel like Romero would have stuck closer to the short story, but I suppose not. And the short story itself, I think, would have actually justified a 30-minute runtime. 
because like it is really interesting and there's a lot going on in the short story that you could easily delve into. I mean, if you could turn 1408 into a 90 minute fucking movie, you can do anything with Stephen King <laughs> as long as you do it right. And yeah, no, it, it just really disappoints me that they didn't do a whole lot with it. And yeah. They just kind of made it some generic slasher thing, which whatever it, it, it worked, it worked well enough for me that I can just sit there and go, this is fun. Who gives a shit? Um, I think I hate it. <laughs> like the last thing at the end where he gets off and he's like, I finally beat you. And it di- and he dies. That and was, was like, hilarious. That was great. Especially because that guy's such a fucking asshole. It was such a fucking prick. Like the, the, uh, in the I book, he's his... not that bad. Cause it's, it's the same. It's the same guy that I think survives the end of the short story. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't surprise me, but like, I forget what his name is in the movie. Like, I'm just going to call him Pancho. Cause that's what his, uh, his friend keeps calling him um but like uh, i really appreciated that long drawn out scene where he just undresses the the that one girl when she's sleeping that was really fucking horrifying it, it was randy rent yeah whatever <laughs> he doesn't deserve a name in the book he does yeah rapist piece of shit <laughs> that too yeah um yeah no it's it's probably the most whatever segment out of the entire movie mm-hmm. um which leads into... I think it's my... Sorry. I think it's my least favorite segment out of the first three creep shows. I really don't like it. I think it's mine too. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the yikes parts of Chief Woodenhead... I mean, this one has like a literal <laughs> sexual assault in it. And it's not even really framed as one either. It's like very exploitative too. That's true. That's not... That's pretty... That's pretty fucked up. That's, that's a yikes, yikes from me, That's dog. a yikes from me, too, dog. You know what? You changed my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the worst segment. Especially yeah, because the short story is so much better. Yeah, easy. Um, anyway, last segment, dog. Alright. This one is The Hitchhiker. and that's The Hitchhiker's called, Guide to the Galaxy. Good one. Um, this is the closest skit that... Or not skit segment that comes to recapturing the themes in the first movie that I was talking about, but even that it doesn't really touch on that much. Yeah, basically it's about this woman who um is cheating on her husband, and while she's driving back, she accident her she loses control of her car and then runs over a hitchhiker. Yeah, and then she drives away, and then on the drive home she's haunted by a revenant who looks like the hitchhiker, and uh, eventually it murders her because of course it does. Yeah, um, in ridiculous ways. Probably my favorite segment in the whole movie. Probably, yeah. It's, it's also it's very badly paced. I will say it's. Ba- I, I think the problem with all three of them is that they're badly paced because yeah. they're all stretched out to thirty minutes when they kind of can't. Yeah, no. I think the only one that's actually well paced is the first one. That's definitely the best paced one. Yeah, this is probably my favorite segment in terms of a. There's no yikes moments and b. Yeah. Um. You know, it's actually kind of well done and mm. really entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like the raft is just kind of boring and dumb. Um, Old Chief Woodenhead is yikes. Yeah, <laughs> um, but also kind of well done. Um, mm. It's weird saying I enjoy this movie. It's kind of a guilty pleasure, I guess. I would, I could see that. Yeah. Um, overall, I think it's just kind of a silly guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not a lot I can say about these segments. They just kind of, you know, it's like, you know what? I think we got a pretty pretty good mileage out of them. <laughs> we got pretty good mileage out of them. They're not anything to really write home about, but, you know, for the most part, beyond the really yikes dated 80s moments, they're completely fine. If the first Creepshow 
I just realized we like just completely breezed over the hitchhiker because there's nothing to fucking talk about. Whatever. Well, the, the hitchhiker is fun. The hitchhiker's all right. It's just that it's, it suffers from a not, lot of the same problems as the other two in terms of pacing, it, in terms of there's the, no layers to it. Yeah. The other problem with this movie as well is that beyond the wraparound segment, it completely abandons the comic book thing. Yeah. Completely. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me really miss the Romero King. Kind of, this looks like scissoring, but <laughs> the Romero King... Like I like, said, a torrid whirlwind romance. The Romero-King, like, you know, partnership mm-hmm. that... Is that what we're calling that? That's what we're calling it. I'm raising my eyebrows, folks. <laughs> it makes me miss them working together, because I think if Romero directed this and King wrote it, I think it would have been a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. And probably a lot less... Um, stupid probably a lot less mediocre yeah like i do enjoy is george romero like not known for being a really good screenwriter because i, I mean, know he wrote, I know he's an incredible director he but... wrote the dead trilogy oh okay well then um probably just i know as as his career's kind of gone on like especially you'll notice this in like the later dead movies like land of the dead diary of the dead especially diary of the dead mm-hmm. <laughs> and survival of the dead and stuff like that He's gotten really bad with the social commentary thing. Mm-hmm. Go watch Diary of the Dead and come back to me. Okay. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> we will talk about the Dead movies next year. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to it. As do I. Are we going to have a show next year? Find out next year. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I highly recommend the first Creep show. Mm-hmm. I'm middle of the road to light recommend on the second Creep show, depending on your mileage on this shit. Um... I can completely understand why people were probably going to be offended by the first two segments in places because, oh boy, they're yikes. Yeah. Um, again, less consistently so is The Raft, but also The Raft has probably the biggest offender of the bunch, like you said. Mm-hmm. Chief Woodenhead has uh, the more consistent yikes, which kind of just makes it more compoundingly bad. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, yeah. But I still kind of enjoy it for some fucking reason that I can't really explain. <laughs> I find it enjoyably stupid and gleefully dumb and kind of lovely. Maybe it is partly the wraparound segments. Maybe it is that I can just kind of enjoy the stupidity of like segments like The Hitchhiker. And mm-hmm. anything that doesn't involve sexual assault in the raft. Or, you know, trying to forget about all the uh, very blatantly racist moments of old Chief Woodenhead. Mm-hmm. Um... However, one thing I am going to say since I'm holding the book in my hand right now is I highly recommend reading the Raft short story before you go into Creepshow 2 if you haven't seen it yet. Because the Raft short story is only like 30 pages long. Mm -hmm. And it's so much fucking better. And actually, I just highly recommend reading Skeleton Crew in general. Yeah. Because it's got some wonderful short stories. Like I said, if you've been interested in reading The Mist, it's a wonderful novella. It's only like 150 pages so I recommend that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, of course, I recommend The First Creep Show. Uh, I also highly recommend The First Creep Show because I think it's a lot of fun. Like, um, it's another one of those good, like, kind of gateway horror movies just because it's, you know, a lot of the times it's just a straight up comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got, like, everybody, it's one of those where I can see, like, every, you pull five different people and they all have five different favorite segments. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um... There's a lot of good stuff in it. There's some mild social commentary, but mostly it's a lot of just kind of dumb fun. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Creepshow two, like I said earlier, Creepshow is uh the it's a great Halloween movie that you could watch with like a big group of people. Oh yeah, Creepshow two is more so the one the Halloween one that you keep in the background while the party does other shit. Yeah, um, it's nowhere near as interesting. It's quite uh either racist or sexist at a lot of parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's paced extremely badly, but uh, you know it it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. No. It's not, bad and like a lot of the a lot of the shitty aspects of it were just kind of a product of the 80s yeah um oops it's not that's not to excuse it or anything but But you're right it was it was common it was very common yeah um go watch a christmas story and tell me that that chinese dinner scene is completely socially acceptable today (laughs) uh that said i don't really recommend it no, that's fair. Uh, like, um, this seemed to kind of bore you more than it bored me. Yeah, I, I was I was really bored. I was pretty checked out by like the end of the raft. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I just wanted it to be over. Um, which probably explains why I almost fell asleep during the hitchhiker. But uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. So, Stefan, you want to talk about Creep Show Three? No. No. <laughs> No! It kind of tickles. No! It kind of tickles. <laughs> no. No, I do not. I do not actually want to do that. Good. Um, then we're going to take a short intermission. Yeah. Fifteen. My 15 second thoughts of Creepshow 3 is it's a, ra- it's just a sexist, mean-spirited mess that nobody should ever, li- ever watch. Also, the animation in the beginning is god-awful. It's really fucking bad. It's so disgusting. Yeah, it's I really, almost puked yeah. looking at it. Um, anyway, so we'll be back to talk about other anthology movies. Okay. How exciting. Goodbye. Yeah. Boy, I hope I hear back from This American Life. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we're done with, um, we're done with Creepshow. Mm-hmm. Very done with Creepshow. We've had Very enough done. of that shit. Awful. All of it. Just trash. Irredeemable garbage. We're gonna talk about other But horror- enough about Creepshow 3. <laughs> Let's talk about horror anthologies. But yeah, uh, Chris, you know a lot more than me, so why don't you start us off? Okay, so should I start by explaining what a horror anthology is? Probably a good place to start. Okay, so for you idiots that clearly didn't understand what Creepshow 1, 2, and 3 were. Yeah, get it, Chris. Fucking sick, sick those fuckers. You fuck them for listening to us, being our fans. Shit, go in on them. (laughs) Being consistent fans of the show, who we love and appreciate. What idiots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, I was... So for those of you that don't necessarily know what a horror anthology is, all three of you. Mm-hmm. Um, a horror anthology is basically a bunch of short segments that are either connected by a wraparound segment, or are connected by a narrator, or are connected by being intertwined, depending on the movie. Or in the case of something like American Horror Story is just kind of connected by recurring cast members. There's a lot of them out there. There's a lot that are super well known. Um, I'm going to kick it off with a classic, one of my favorites that I've been kind of alluding to. And I guess it's a good transition from Creep Shows, Tales from the Crypt. Mm-hmm. Which is one of my favorite shows of all time. I think that the first two Tales from the Crypt movies are fucking awesome. <laughs> Don't watch Ritual. i have seen demon knight which is a lot of fun demon knight's awesome um 
Billy Zane's performance in fucking Demon Knight. Oh my god, he's wonderful. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. Like he he's just so like fucking charming, and I want to I want to just like the rest of the movie. I could honestly give a shit about. I just want to see like a Billy Zane compilation, and that's the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I strongly recommend if you're gonna watch Demon Knight, watch the movie. Don't watch a fucking Billy Zane compilation because I feel like you're going to be missing something. I mean, the movie is actually really good. The movie's actually really entertaining. I haven't actually watched the Nostalgia Critic videos, so... Nor do I plan on it. No, nor do I, actually. No, um... We stand the content creators that left. Yeah. For a reason. Yeah. So we don't plan on actually watching the fucking video. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he took a giant shit all over it, even though it doesn't deserve it, and it's such a fun movie. Yeah. What other movie has Old Uncle Willie? Of course, his name is <laughs> Willie. Old Uncle Willie, um, walking into a fucking like what looks like a fucking cruise bar, yeah, with a bunch of naked women everywhere, uh-huh. while Billy Zane the bartender shows up and gets him drunk and possessed. <laughs> what other movie? Includes Billy Zane screaming, You fucking hoe down podunk well them there, motherfuckers! You've, what, you've never seen Titanic? <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen Twin Peaks Season 2? <laughs> so, All you had to do was give me the goddamn key! <laughs> Fuck this cowboy shit! He should retroactively be given, like, eight Oscars for this performance. <laughs> um, William Sadler's awesome in it. Um, fun fact, I guess, because you're not a big Tales from the Crypt person. Not like right now. And I feel like if you get into it more, you'll love it. it. Demon Knight's really fun. I feel like you'd enjoy Bordello of Blood. It's actually shocking that these movies really aren't that well-liked. Really? I mean, I can see that with Demon Knight just because it is so, like, campy and goofy. Yeah, like, it's it definitely has a lot of influence from Sam Raimi, though, like, Demon Knight for sure. Oh, definitely. I, I can say that now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've graduated grade one of horror class. <laughs> <laughs> um... No, but I think, um... I can't wait to work, work my way up to Rangu. <laughs> Watch that whenever you fucking want. <laughs> no, there's rules, Chris. I think it's such a fun little movie, and I, I think both of them are. Like, Bordello of Blood is so unabashedly stupid mm-hmm. and so shamelessly gratuitous. Mm-hmm. There's literally a moment where the female antagonist, who is a... The head of a brothel and also a vampire who rips people's hearts out and eats them. Like you do. Screams, 2468, you can watch me masturbate in a cheerleader's outfit. So it's the greatest movie of all time. It is is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so entertaining. And Dennis Miller's great. He play he's a comedian. Mm -hmm. He plays the um the main private eye who is searching for Corey Feldman. Who gets oh, Corey Feldman's in this. Corey Feldman is in this for about, I want to say, 15 minutes. Okay. He's basically the main catalyst of the movie, like, what gets the plot going. Mm-hmm. Um, because he basically plays this 18-ish-year-old kid who goes to this brothel with one of his friends and gets fucked slash his heart ripped out ah. and eaten. Which leads um, his character's sister to hire a private eye played by Dennis Miller, who's just kind of a fucking smartass throughout the entire movie. Mm. Like, this was clearly just an exercise in him just trying out stand-up bits. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, bordello of blood. Who could ever forget that Dennis Miller star vehicle? (laughs) It is 
so unbelievably stupid. It is... Um, there's a reason why it has 12% on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> and yet I love it. <laughs> um, it's, I'll watch it at some point. It is pure schlocky goodness. Mm. I honestly would love to see it become more of a cult classic as time goes on, and I feel like it probably will be. Mm. Same thing with Demon Knight. But let's go back to Demon Knight, because it's so fucking guilty. <laughs> the cat makes it out okay. What? Yeah, 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 there's no actual animal cruelty in either film. Which I very much appreciate. Yes. Um... <laughs> Am I the only one that found it super fucking funny for some reason? It's the dumb, it's the corniest fucking line. But at the beginning of the movie, when Billy Zane encounters the two cops, mm-hmm. and both of the cars that drove into each other, one of them being Billy Zane's, the other being Bill Sadler's, are completely destroyed, set ablaze, exploded, whatever. And his response is, Airbags gotta love them. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. I love this man. He's, so fucking He's the greatest actor to ever live, and I won't hear any anybody say otherwise. The only other person I could see playing the collector in Demon Knight is Nicolas Cage, and even then, that's kind of a nope. bit of a stretch. Billy, Billy Zane has unseated Nicolas Cage. Why the fuck didn't Billy Zane have a stronger career after this? Like, especially doing Nick Cage type shit. He just put all his heart and soul into this movie, and by after this, there was like nothing left. <laughs> Godspeed, Billy Zane. Also, weird fun fact, though, this will make you interested in watching Bordello of Blood. You know the key that William Sadler has throughout the entire movie? Uh-huh. It's also present in Demon Knight. Neat. Or not Demon Knight. Bordello of Blood. Bordello of Blood. Neat. Yeah. Chris, move on to something that isn't Tales from the Crypt. I do, re- but anyway, I recommend Tales from the Crypt. Mm-hmm. I recommend the two, um, the first two movies. Ritual is dog shit. Okay. Don't watch Ritual. Okay. Also, it's out of print anyway, so why the fuck would you want to seek it? Mm-hmm. Don't watch it. <laughs> Waste of Tim Curry. Anyway. <laughs> the um, worst crime known to man. Absolutely. Worst crime known to man. Um, and it also has the worst Crypt Keeper wraparound segment I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Where he's in Jamaica and he's just doing this awful Jamaican accent. Oh, God. And he's just surrounded by a bunch of, like, scantily clad women and it's just awful. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. It's a whole lot of yuck. Anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> but when you go to Tales from the Crypt for your brawn, you go to the Twilight Zone for your brains. Yay. I love the Twilight Zone The Twilight so Zone is so fun. Now, the Twilight good. Zone also has a lot of roots in science fiction as well, mm-hmm. but it definitely has a lot of roots in horror. Mm-hmm. And you've seen a lot of Twilight Zone. I don't know if I've seen all of it, but I've seen most of it. No, I've seen a lot. A lot of it, yeah. Yeah. What a classic program. It's so fucking good. It's so fucking good. It's kind of tough to really go into it a lot. Um, I Obviously, I love the original iteration. Mm-hmm. Um, Rod Serling is probably one of the best goddamn hosts mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. And God bless that man for using the Twilight Zone and using <laughs> CBS's precious time mm-hmm. as a way to get so much social commentary out there to the dumbass general public. Absolutely. Um, God bless him for that. Um, the 80s Twilight Zone is super entertaining as well. Mm-hmm. That I'm less familiar with. Oh, the 80s Twilight Zone is really fun. It's probably my second favorite iteration of the show. Um, and the 2002 one hosted by Forrest Whitaker is... It's fine. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really do a lot for me, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the Twilight Zone movie, which was 
directed by a number of people. I know John Landis and John Landis, Steven Spielberg, Spielberg, Joe Dante, and I forget who the other one was. Fuck. That's the movie. That's the movie that John Landis killed that person on. Killed those kids. Yeah. Well, killed like the kids. kids. The kid. There was a kid that got killed for sure, and um, I forget the actor who got killed on that set as well. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on, I'll look it up real quick. Landis, fa- the Landis family sure is wonderful. <laughs> Just stellar human beings. Um, Vic Morrow. Okay. Yeah, Vic Morrow, and um, yeah, because there was a giant. Because basically, there was a helicopter stunt that was going to be performed on the set. And the helicopter ended up crashing and it ended up killing Vic Morrow and I think one of the child actors for sure. Mm. And Steven Spielberg actually ended his friendship with John Landis over this. Yeah, as he should. Yep. Um, as you fucking should, because John Landis did not handle it well. I Or with yeah. any sort of like grace or maturity. Oh, George Miller was the other director. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is kind of fucking fascinating to say the least. That's kind of an incredible. That's an incredible lineup of directors. That's it's an incredible Spielberg, lineup. Spielberg, Miller, Dante, and the other guy. The other guy who brought us Max Landis. <laughs> From the guy who brought you an American Werewolf in London and the Bastard Son. <laughs> I know that there's segments that are clearly just remakes of you know segments from the original show, mm-hmm. um, specifically like Nightmare at uh, Twenty Thousand Feet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that that one's been remade a few times now. Yeah, it was yeah. also remade for the Jordan Peele one. Oh, really? Which I still have not watched that fucking thing yet. <laughs> I really want to. Because mm. <laughs> it sounds absolutely positively up my alley. Mm. Um, it's very, yeah, like, because like I said in the last episode, we were talking about Jordan Peele, like, he seems perfectly fit for Twilight Zone. And yeah. It would be great if he actually... Because I don't know how involved he was in the writing process for season one. Mm-hmm. I would suspect he's more just a pre- presenter than anything else. I feel like he's more of a presenter than anything else, which is kind of sad. Because mm-hmm. I feel like he would be, like, the perfect person to be, like, I mean, creatively spearheading a Twilight Zone. It's like Zone you show. mentioned, like, Get Out and Us are just feature-length Twilight Zone episodes. Exactly, yeah. So, um, obviously, yeah, like... And go watch Get Out Nuss. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to hear us talk more about that, you can listen to our last episode. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think we recommend The Twilight Zone for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the one that Forrest Whitaker hosted wasn't that great. Like, it's fine. But it's not like it's, like, terrific or anything. It's just kind of there. Right. It's kind of... It's probably going to be the one that's, like, the least memorable out of all these iterations of The Twilight Zone. I would imagine so. Which is... Little bit of a shame because I don't think anyone should remember the awful movie that John Landis killed a couple people on. Yeah. Um, fuck that shit. Um, you've seen the Cloverfield movies, right? I have. Good. Let's talk about the Cloverfield movies a bit because, like, are they those... are they an anthology? That... Yeah. I guess kind of because yeah, they're not they're... really re- related. At they... least not in any obvious way. They're not really completely related, but they share the same like continuity and universe. Hmm. And they're, like, isolated segments in a way. Yeah. So I'd definitely say that they're, uh, anthologies. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Cloverfield. The first Cloverfield's pretty fucking awesome. The script is really, actually relatively well written by Drew Goddard. Mm-hmm. And it was directed by Matt Reeves, I think. Really? Who directed the, uh... The Apes Harry. movies, and he's gonna be directing the next Batman movie. Yes. Batman. Batman. I don't know, I, I... I find the first Cloverfield movie to be, like, super fucking effective. And I think it's just a really fun little monster movie. 
really goddamn engaging and really fun and one of those few fucking found footage movies that I actually enjoy yes. and would willingly go back to. Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. Ten Cloverfield Lane is fucking incredible. Is incredible. Yeah. Um, Ten Cloverfield Lane is one of my favorite movies of the decade. And John Goodman should have been nominated for a fucking Oscar. He was so fucking good. He's so fucking good. Now, the reason why I call this more of an anthology thing is because, yeah, they take place within the same universe and probably within the same, like, relative time frame. But they have no, like, shared characters. They have no shared character. Well, I mean, even then, like, um, things like Trick or Treat have shared characters. Mm -hmm. But each film is a different story. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel like this is a direct sequel. Like, they're very unrelated, very different stories. Mm -hmm. I think that 10 Cloverfield Lane is the better film of the two, for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, Cloverfield Paradox is complete garbage. garbage. Complete garbage. Well, that I've heard anyway. I haven't actually watched it. I've, I've watched I've heard enough. It. It's probably the worst movie of last year, or at least one of the top three. Yeah. Ah, it's so bad. <laughs> I liked Fifty Shades Freed more than I liked the Cloverfield <laughs> Paradox. Oh my. I also saw that in IMAX. Mm. <laughs> Climax in IMAX. <laughs> uh, 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 there's anyway. A, there's a climax for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I I think we'll probably go more into the Cloverfield movies, at least the first two, later on. Mm -hmm. As the show goes on. But I do really like them, and I can't wait to kind of do more with them on the show. Mm -hmm. I'd love to do an episode specifically on them. Yeah. But they're fucking wonderful. They are. Here's a weird anthology that you're not going to think is an anthology until I school your ass. My the ass Halloween movies. Dude, I don't know any enough about the fucking Halloween movies to tell you if okay. it's an anthology or not. I will tell you that it was originally supposed to be an anthology series. Really? Yes. Um, the first two were going to center on Michael Myers, and then the third one, Season of the Witch, is a completely different story centered... Because they were supposed to be, like, different, you know different stories that center around the holiday Halloween. Mm -hmm. You know, the first two being about Michael Myers chasing after Laurie Strode on Halloween night. And three was basically this weird movie about de demonic fucked up Halloween masks that kill kids. Oh, okay. It was, it's awesome. <laughs> it's one of the, people hated it because there was no Michael Myers and it tanked and everyone was like, we want Michael Myers back. And so John Carpenter and friends were like, fuck fine. And that's how we got Halloween four till wherever they're at now. And the continuity is completely fucked and who gives a shit. Mm -hmm. Um, Halloween, the, the Halloween trilogy being one, two and three. I, I like Halloween two quite a bit just because it's, it's, it's fun and it's a nice little, continuation of the first one mm -hmm. obviously the first one's a fucking classic halloween 3 is awesome <laughs> it's like one of the ultimate halloween movies that i actually just sit down and watch every year like if i had a list of movies i'd recommend for essential halloween viewing it would be halloween 3 trick-or-treat and um yeah fuck it probably suspiria mm -hmm. um <laughs> I'd also recommend Halloween 6 to an extent, actually, even though that's, like, the worst fucking one. Mm. Um, I still haven't seen the producer's cut yet. Someone tell me how that goes. Halloween 6 definitely gives that vibe as well. Like, if I had essential Halloween viewing, Halloween 3 would definitely be in there. Because mm. it's so fucking entertaining. It's so fucking fun. 
the Silver Shamrock song never leaves my skull from October 1st to October 31st. It is just stuck in there. Mm-hmm. It's the 27th, right? Four more days till Halloween. 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 Yeah, it's my Okay. Uh, kill me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I love Halloween 3. I love... Actually, I really like the first three Halloween movies. They're all fun. Mm-hmm. So there's some good recommendations. Um, after that, it just turns back into a slasher franchise. So uh, rip the idea of an anthology Yay. series. Because that would have been actually cool. My favorite. You know how sad it is they just didn't turn the Halloween movies into an anthology series? That would have been awesome. Yeah. Imagine if Halloween 4 was actually interesting. I can't. Instead of just rebooting the franchise for some fucking reason. <laughs> I want to fucking kill myself. Please move on. <laughs> okay, I guess if we're moving on, um, I guess I'll lightly touch on American Horror Story and what I've watched of it. Okay. Um, I really like the first two seasons of American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one being a haunted house thing, which is really cool. And the second season being set in an asylum. Mm-hmm. Which gave me some like weird Clockwork Orange vibes to an extent, especially because um, Evan Peters looks a lot like young Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, definitely not wrong, especially, especially in the Asylum season. I don't care as much for Coven, and then I think I stopped around the circus one because it got kind of silly. Hell was that one freak, freak show? show? I think yeah, freak, yeah. Freak show, I think it was. And that one, I just... That's when I stopped watching it. Apparently... I don't know how the new one is, but American Horror Story 1984 just sounds kind of fun. Yeah, that does sound cool. Even though it's not about the Orwell thing. It's is, a, it's slasher. Oh, okay. Is, uh... Which one was Lady Gaga in? Oh, God. She's in a few of them, I think. Yeah, I think she's in a few of them. Uh, I think she was in Freak Show. Right. I don't know why I feel like she was in Coven. Maybe. I don't fucking... <laughs> Like, the thing is that Ryan Murphy tends to, like, recycle and reuse the same fucking cast for all these yeah, yeah. things. Like, Evan Peters comes up a lot, Jessica Lang comes up a lot, um, Sarah Paulson comes up almost all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Lady Gaga's come up more than once, I think, same with Emma Roberts. Which, uh, <laughs> sure, whatever. Um, but, again, much like any Ryan Murphy show, I find that American Horror Story's gone wrong for way too fucking long and it's okay. just kind of run out of ideas. Okay. Um... So if it ends up getting shit canned this year, who oh, am I not going to be shocked, nor am I going to care? Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, the first two seasons, though, are really fun, and I enjoy them. Cool. Um, so yeah, go watch the first two seasons of fucking uh, American Horror Story, because it's so entertaining and very schlocky. I will say that. Like, I think the big thing I find weird about the American Horror Story shows is that they're incredibly schlocky, but also I get this feeling that it's a little too self-serious for its own good. So I'm just kind of in this weird fucking camp of, like, is Ryan Murphy that far up his own ass? Mm-hmm. Or is this just trying to be really, really schlocky and dumb? Like, I don't really know where he's trying to take this tonally. <laughs> which is kind of confounding and why I've kind of just given up on it to an extent. Mm-hmm. But you know it's a better show than American Horror Story? Masters of fucking horror. I don't know what this is. Masters of Horror is not like American... Okay, so you know how American Horror Story is like every season's a new story? Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, Masters of Horror, we're going back to the Twilight Zone-esque thing, where it's like every episode is a new segment. Yeah. Different directors would take on each segment. So, like, mm-hmm. 
the most controversial one of all is the Takashi Miike one. Mm-hmm. Are you shocked? No, not at all. It's great. It's <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> but yeah, like um, John Carpenter, Joe Dante, um, Mick Garris, uh, Takashi Miike, like you name the director, they've probably worked on an episode of Masters of Horror. The first season is absolutely wonderful because it's got some of the best goddamn segments. Oh, Dario Argento's done one. Oh, cool. It's called Jennifer. That one's really fucky. <laughs> really fun. The Masters of Horror, though, tonally, it's very gruesome. Um, I ha- it's, it's been a while since I've gone back to Masters of Horror, but I do remember it being a lot more gruesome. I used to watch it a lot on the Scream Channel when I was a kid. Because, mm-hmm. like, Scream Channel is so easily accessible to an eight-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's right fucking there. <laughs> All I have to do is skip two channels down, and at 8 a.m. I can watch Masters of fucking Horror. <laughs> Um, it's a really entertaining show, though, and if you're into, like, the more grisly and gruesome shit, it's really enjoyable. Um, if you're not, I don't necessarily recommend it, but if you want to see some really good segments from some of your favorite horror directors, I highly, highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll talk about my favorite Halloween movie of all time now. It's Trick or Treat. What the fuck are you doing? I, um... <laughs> so, for those of you at home... <laughs> I have very long, curly black hair, and I just kind of dropped it, and it's very messy right now, so I just put it in front of my face and just stared at Chris from behind it. I was kind of going for, like, a ring girl effect, but I don't think it's long or stringy enough to do that. No. Also, you have to crawl out of the TV and do funny gymnastics moves. I'm not dexterous enough for that. Yeah, too bad. Anyway, keep talking about whatever it is you were going to talk about. Okay, so my favorite... I'm going to talk about my favorite Halloween movie now. Okay. Trick or Treat. Right. Um, Trick or Treat had a really interesting uh, progression from uh, filming to release Mm -hmm. in the sense that it got made. Trailers started coming out in 2006. Mm -hmm. The movie never came out until 2009. Mm -hmm. Because Warner Brothers just put it back on the shelf... They kept delaying the release. To an extent, I guess we can blame it on Saw. But um, there were... Like, if you look back at like the your DVDs of 300, for mm-hmm. those of you that have the old 300 DVD mm-hmm. flying around, pop it in, you're going to see a trailer for Trick or Treat. Mm-hmm. I think it was, it was originally supposed to come out in 2007. And then it got pushed back to like April of 2008 or something. Mm-hmm. And then it got pushed back to October 2008, and they were like, oh shit, Saw, we can't do that. Mm -hmm. And then they pushed it back to October 2009, and it was originally supposed to get a theatrical release, but it ended up just going straight to video. Oh, that's unfortunate. And in the time when this was all happening, the movie was playing at like several different fucking film festivals, where it got so much hype, so much acclaim, so much love, that if you were into horror and you went on the internet at one point, you've at least heard of this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the movie that got a fucking cult following before it even came out. Mm-hmm. It's also uh, Michael Doherty's best movie by a mile. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I do love Krampus, Krampus, whatever. Um, love Krampus as well, but goddamn, Trick or Treat's a masterpiece and should be remembered as such. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. You haven't seen it yet, have you? No, I have not. God damn it, you really, uh... 
You really should. You you underestimate just how much I like do not seek out these movies. I know, and I'm trying to get you more into it. I think I'm doing a good job. You are doing a good job. Um, it it, it has a lot of that comic vibe that uh, Creepshow has, mm-hmm. so I think you'd really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And the segments are interconnected, so like a lot of recurring characters kind of show up in like little cameos in each segment, much like Creepshow three. Anyway, keep talking. <laughs> Except this is better. I'm sure it's better. (laughs) All the stories are so, like, separate and different enough that, yeah, it's still, like, it it is an anthology in its own right. Mm -hmm. Um, They're all very entertaining. The movie's very short as well. Like, it's about 80 minutes long. Mm -hmm. So it's a really breezy, quick little movie to get through. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend it. Um, Anyway, Stefan, do you have anything you want to talk about before we go to my last film? I do. Good. Uh... Uh, before I get into, like, my main thing, I want to say as an aside, like, I haven't seen it, but I've heard really good things about Satoshi Kon's Paranoia Agent. Oh, I haven't seen that either, but I've heard really good things about that. Yeah, I've heard it's super fucking good, and I definitely intend to watch it at some point. Yeah. But I'm mainly talking about, uh, comic books. Of course. Or manga, I guess. Fucking nerd. And, uh, I'm talking, uh, the story collections of Junji Ito, mm-hmm. who's, um... Mostly known for his two big stories, which are Uzumaki, which is one of my favorite comics of all time, mm-hmm. and Gyo, mm-hmm. which I don't actually think I've read. But he also has a bunch of very well-known like short story collections, which yeah. is what I think the majority of his work actually is. Mm-hmm. Like there's um um the Junji Ito horror comic collection, which I've seen some of. I've read most of. I think like they're like stories like Tomie. Uh, which is about, like, a high school girl who gets repeatedly murdered and comes back to enact evil on people. <laughs> um, Sounds like fun. Yeah, it is It is quite fun. Uh, the Ma- the Museum of Terror series. Um, Gyo, actually, aside from the main story, has two of my favorite Ido short stories, which are The Sad Tale of the Principal Post mm-hmm. and uh, The Enigma of Amagara Fault, mm-hmm. which is extremely fucking disturbing and was also a reference to the Steven Universe episode, apparently. Really? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it is. We'll have to ask Nick about that. Um, yeah, like, basically any, like, short story collection of Junji Ito's you can't go wrong with. Yeah. Uh, my favorite story of his is not an anthology. It's um called Uzumaki, okay. which is a, basically a collection of short stories that come together into, like, a major narrative, essentially, because they're all very separate from one another until they're not okay. i guess is the way that i would put it yeah uh it's about a small town in japan that gets consumed with the idea of a spiral and if mm. it sounds dumb and campy <laughs> 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 oh boy is it not <laughs> it's one of the most gruesomely disturbing things i've seen in my life mm-hmm. it's so and it the, it doesn't help that he's such a fucking incredible artist mm-hmm. like there's a book he did called cat diaries yeah. Uh, where the cats are some of the creepiest fucking things I've ever seen. You know how hard it is to make a cat look creepy? I know. It's, he he's super fucking incredible because he can be like serene and beautiful. And then he can draw these Lovecraftian horror beasts that like have no business like ex- even existing on a page. Yeah. And yeah, re- I recommend literally any um Junji Ito thing. Yeah, you've been um, telling me to get into him for a while. Yeah, and uh, and if you're looking for like not quite the short story thing, but like def- his like biggest most epic narrative, it would be Uzumaki. Do you have it? I do. Okay, you're gonna have to lend it to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and the Enigma of Amagara Fault might be my uh, favorite short story of his. Fuck yeah. But. I got one more movie I'm going to recommend. It's yeah. an anthology. I'm actually hanging on to it right now. Okay. I rewatched this this morning so I could actually talk about this better. Mm-hmm. So the first time I watched this was at midnight. Mm-hmm. It's a three hour movie, so I was up till 3 a.m. watching this beast. Mm-hmm. And it's also Japanese. Mm-hmm. This is quite on. Oh, sorry. Before before you continue, God damn it! Sorry. There's a Junji Ito collection anime that is awful, and you should not watch it. Okay, good to know. Because it doesn't replicate his like style very well. Okay. Uh, but there is a Uzumaki show coming to Adult Swim that with only tw- only a teaser has come out, but it looks very like visually, it looks very good. Anyway, sorry. I keep talking about Quaidon. Okay, so Quaidon is uh, directed by. Masaki Kobayashi, who um, also directed the Human Condition trilogy, for those of you movie nerds out there. And in 1965, he made this horror anthology called Quaidon. Mm-hmm. And it's basically four supernatural Japanese folk tales told over the course of three hours. And they all vary in length from 25 minutes to like 75 minutes. Mm-hmm. With the third segment being the longest. And I guess since we were talking about Creepshow earlier, especially Creepshow 2, and the pacing issues with that, I kind of want to talk about Quaidon real quick. Mm-hmm. Because there's a 70, 70 to 75 minute segment in this movie, mm-hmm. which focuses on this uh, this guy who is possessed to go out into the woods and play this song for these ghosts. He goes out there every night, and it's basically about the people that live with him trying to save him. And it, it ends in a really horrific way. Um, but for 75 minutes of this possession, for the 75-minute possession tale, the pacing is incredible. And this thing takes sweet-ass time. I would say that about all the segments, actually, is that there are definitely moments in each segment where this is definitely meticulously paced to take its time. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But the fact that this movie is willing to A, take its time, B, be three hours, and C, have a 75-minute long segment. That's Criterion. It is Criterion. And it's paced better than all of Creepshow 2, which is half the fucking length. Mm-hmm. Um, should tell you a lot about how masterfully crafted Quiedon is. It's very creepy, incredibly atmospheric, and again, I think that's why I really like the meticulous pace of it as well, is that it's really well-paced. It, much like Creepshow, is very much influenced by the style of its source material, Mm. and like how Creepshow is inspired by, you know, old DC comics, Quaidon is very influenced by Japanese culture, Japanese art, and Japanese folklore. Um, especially in, like, its fucking production design. Mm-hmm. Like, there's moments that feel incredible and very, again, very heightened as mm-hmm. well. Very dreamlike, I think, too, mm-hmm. in some of the background designs. Yeah. Like, if you had a fucking Blu-ray player, I would just lend this to you on the spot. You'd love every second of this. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, no, but it's it's one of my favorite horror movies, I think. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely beautiful it's worth your three hours if you have the chance to fan watch it (laughs) okay you will love this subtle you will love this so much (laughs) but it's it's very very good and i highly recommend it and i think that's that's all i have for anthologies that i definitely want to talk about wow 
We did it, folks. We did it. So I guess before I go, Stefan, I got one more question for you. Yeah. Um, are, since it's Halloween, at least at the time of release. Yeah. What horror movies do you recommend to people who are looking for something spooky to watch on this uh, fine autumn autumn eve? Something spooky. Um, well, I'm not huge into horror, but um, you're definitely getting more into it. I'm I'm, I'm watching more more horror stuff now. You're welcome. You fucking smug asshole. <laughs> So my favorite horror movie of all time, and my probably one of my favorite movies of all time, is The Shining. Oh, we're on the same page there. And uh, I think we are going to do an episode where we talk about The Shining. Very we soon. are actually very soon, so we won't go into it that much. Yeah, yeah. But it's definitely our favorite horror movie of all time. Yeah, which definitely. Which is very weird that we lined up on that. I'm very surprised that we lined up on that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what at least gave you the trust to like let me lead you more into horror yeah <laughs> it's like oh yeah my favorite horror movie of all time is the shining yeah i love schlocky slasher movies but at the same time <laughs> trust me yeah um um any others well uh again junji ito anything hp love well that's more literary i guess yeah. uh say- same with hp lovecraft who i also recommend if you can get past some of the really bad pacing and also racism <laughs> I I guess in the vein of H.P. Lovecraft, I highly recommend Reanimator and From Beyond, mm-hmm. um, which are two H.P. Lovecraft adaptations directed by Stuart Gordon, and they are fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen them yet? No, I haven't. Ooh, get on that. Uh, both of the first two Alien movies. Not, I guess you could debate whether the second one's more. The of an second one's movie. more of an action movie, but the first one is. Definitely horror. The first one's most certainly a horror movie, yeah. Uh, and I definitely recommend it. Uh, you can tell that I'm not, like, not super into horror because a lot of these aren't very Halloween-y. <laughs> I guess if it's a Canadian Halloween, The Shining works because it's probably going to be snowing. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're looking for a, a visual novel game, there's Doki Doki Literature Club and that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't play a lot of horror video games so I couldn't we're all just we're both just staring at Chris's shelf right now to see if there's anything that would give us any hints. I'm looking at a list right now. Oh, good for you. Um, I can name some off if you want. Yeah, sure. Okay, so some horror movies I'm gonna recommend specifically for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Trick or Treat. Yeah. Obviously Halloween three. Obviously Halloween one. If you want, fuck it. Halloween two is really fun. So if you want to watch just the first three Halloween movies, that's a great night on its own. Mm-hmm. Trick or Treat's an absolute blast. And it's quick. For you Canadians, it's probably snowing right now. <laughs> yeah. If it's not, then what the fuck? It was definitely snowing yesterday, not yesterday, Friday. We're definitely at the point where, like, it's definitely snowing, like, more and more consistently in Edmonton, at least, but it's not actually staying on the ground. Yeah, like, it's it's still too warm for it to stay on the ground, but mm. it's definitely coming, folks. Boy, I hate living in the north. <laughs> so, like Stefan said, I highly recommend The Shining, uh-huh. because it's getting to be that time of year. I also recommend The Thing. Mm-hmm. John Carpenter's classic, which is absolutely incredible mm-hmm. <laughs> for obvious reasons. Suspiria is great as well if you're into that kind of thing. The I've been ex- meaning to watch it. Yeah, The Exorcist is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I also really like Exorcist Three, which I think is developing into being more and more of a cult film. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is probably my favorite slasher movie of all time because it's genuinely terrifying and isn't complete fucking schlock. Mm-hmm. And doesn't seem to resort to tropes as much. Um, I also think that a quintessential Halloween classic would be... Actually, two of them would be Evil Dead 2. 
Oh, yeah, that's fucking, yeah. Quintessential. Mm-hmm. And the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. Which I just love to no end. I don't care. I fucking love <laughs> it. Sure, shit's dated. Who cares? I love it. <laughs> you know what? If you can get past who he is as a person for one movie, if you can't, I, I get it. If you can't, fair enough. But if you can, Rosemary's Baby is a Oh, incredible. right. Yeah, yeah. Rosemary's Baby is a fucking classic. I don't recommend it lightly because Roman Polanski's a fucking prick. Mm-hmm. And some people have a difficult time kind of separating him from his films. Fair play. Yeah, yeah um, definitely. And I don't really blame anyone for not being able to do that because what he did was unspeakable. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I do highly, highly, highly recommend Rosemary's Baby and Repulsion if you can get around to them. Mm-hmm. They're both wonderful films. Uh, this isn't really a fucking fun Halloween movie. But Hereditary is really good. <laughs> Followed by Midsummer. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess if you want to watch something really fucky as well, uh, The Fly is awesome. David Cronenberg's Masterpiece, followed by Videodrome. Mm-hmm. Watch those back to back and you will have a wild Halloween. <laughs> um, of course, there's also the George Romero Dead trilogy. So Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead are awesome. And yeah. wonderful pieces of social commentary of the time. Now, if you want some foreign horror, oh, get ready, folks. I'm going to Gu- start recommending a lot of foreign horror. Guillermo del Toro's early movies, like Minim- Mimic and Kronos, are both oh, really yeah. good. Uh, Devil's Devil's Backbone, is that what it's called? Yeah. That's not. That's more of a dark fantasy, but it's very creepy and it's fun as well. It's still very creepy and very yeah. good. Yeah. Um, and Pan's Labyrinth is just more of a dark fantasy, but I also just I recommend love, that in general. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to recommend a French film called Eyes Without a Face. I've heard of it. Um, it's one of Edgar Wright's favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Same with Don't Look Now, but um, Eyes Without a Face is genuinely unsettling and probably the finest piece of body horror I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Fuck the human centipede, am I right, fellas? <laughs> um, I'm also going to recommend... Um, Mikhail Hanukkah's uh, Funny Games. It doesn't really matter which version you watch. The point gets across either way. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both very disturbing, but very clever pieces of filmmaking. Mm. Um, if you watched one, you've watched them both, essentially. Mm. So, whichever one you want to watch, your call, your play, I'll let you guys decide on that. Now to recommend some Takashi Miike. I love Audition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Audition so fucking much. The last 20 minutes are some of the most disturbing filmmaking I've ever fucking seen. But goddamn, it's so good. And, of course, I recommended Quiet On earlier, and I still recommend that wholeheartedly if you're into Japanese folklore. Mm-hmm. Also, there is this great movie in the Criterion Collection. You can only get it through Criterion. It's mm-hmm. called House. Yeah. It's not scary. It's not even really creepy. But if you want to watch the craziest, wildest fucking thing on Halloween night... I highly recommend it. <laughs> um, I have actually two more. Okay. Uh, they're both from Studio Laika, mm-hmm. the American animation, like, uh, claymation style studio. They are Coraline, Ooh, <laughs> which yes. fucked me up real good as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Paranorman, which is more of a horror comedy, which I really love. Oh, Paranorman's fantastic. I yeah. forgot about that one. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple more international films for you. Um raw from a couple of years ago which is a french film mm. if you can stomach it it's fantastic it's really really gory very grotesque but it's so good um jennifer kent's the babadook i have a really tough time going back to it for some reason 
nothing to do with the actual film itself. I think it just kind of struck a nerve with me that I didn't think it would actually strike. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it until the second time I tried watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is an incredibly well-made movie, and I can't wait to see your next film whenever I get a chance to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to recommend I Saw the Devil, and I'm going to recommend Bong Joon-ho is the host. Both of them are incredible, incredible films. Mm-hmm. They are both from South Korea as well, so absolutely go out and track those down. Okay. Um, what else do I want to throw into the mix? Return of the Living Dead, Fright Night, um, Slither, Texas Chance of Massacre 2, The Frighteners, Night of the Creeps. <laughs> this is a big list, folks. Uh, if you want some comedy, throw in Fido, Student Body, Shaun of the Dead, Zombieland. Zombieland 2 was actually pretty fun, too. I saw that a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That one was really entertaining. Um, if you want to see some wild-ass shit, go watch... Um, if you want to see some wild, surreal shit, go watch Eraserhead, anything by David Lynch, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but Eraserhead, Blue Velvet, Mandy, um, and uh, Mandy and Beyond the Black Rainbow are from Panos Cosmos. Mm-hmm. But they're both just <laughs> wonderful little films, and they're absolutely worth seeking out. Mm-hmm. Um, Mandy especially if you want to see a good Nick Cage performance um, yeah that was fun if you like Haunted House shit you like it more than I do I'm <laughs> <laughs> not a huge fan but Insidious is pretty good the first two Conjuring movies are pretty good fuck the Annabelle movies in the ass um, <laughs> I have not seen the third one and I probably never will um, I love the Child's Play movies for some reason call me an idiot I don't care um both fright night movies the original and the remake are awesome same goes for maniac the original and the remake are fantastic i actually think i have a slight edge on the remake because it's really i like because it's a first person thing mm-hmm. and maniac is basically about this guy that like scalps women oh. and uses their scalps as like wigs on mannequins oh okay so like the remake is absolutely fucked mm-hmm. what else can i get in there before stefan finally cuts me off um oh, he's god <laughs> I'm recommend the Friday the 13th movies if you want stupid bullshit because fuck it, why not? The Devil's Rejects is fucking awesome. You don't really have to watch House Spells and Corpses first, so I'm not a huge fan of it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, another Japanese horror film that's great is Ringu. Um, Arrow Films recently put out a 4K restoration of it. It is incredible. Mm-hmm. It is phenomenal. I love it. Actually, all the Evil Dead movies, except for the remake, and I highly recommend Ash vs. Evil Dead, which you need to get on. Mm-hmm. Um... I mentioned 1408 earlier. I love that movie. Um, a guilty pleasure fun movie is Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. Another good remake is the Willard remake with Crispin Glover because he's an incredible actor and he's really good at being creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want some more schlock, um, Peter Jackson's early works like Bad Taste, uh, Dead Alive, Meet the Feebles isn't really a horror movie, but it's absolutely fucked. Mm-hmm. Um and The Frighteners is really fun as well. That's more of a studio thing, but it's still really, 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 really fun. Mm-hmm. If you want sh- some more schlock, go watch some Trauma. Fucking love Poultry Guy's Night of the Chicken Dead. That's a real movie, by the way. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, the Toxic Avenger movies are awesome. There's even a fucking animated show around the Toxic Avenger for some fucking reason. <laughs> uh, Tromeo and Juliet is a goddamn blast. <laughs> Three um, more. Three more, and then you're fucking cut off. <laughs> Bullshit! No, please, God. <laughs> did I mention student bodies yet? Yes. Okay, good. Um, Jesus, did I mention Tusk? 
Because that is some good schlock is Tusk. It's, Tusk is pretty fucking Tusk good. is fucking awesome. Have you seen it? Yes. I, I, okay, funny story about Tusk. I was... It was me, Nick, my dad, and like three other people in the theater. And we saw it in the Manning. Mm-hmm. And they put us in one of the big fucking theaters for some <laughs> goddamn reason. <laughs> and <laughs> everyone in that theater had a fucking blast. Even the skeptics like Nick and my dad who were like... Why the fuck are we watching this movie where Michael Parks turns Justin Long into a fucking walrus? Mm-hmm. But it's so goddamn funny. Yeah. Especially when they have a fucking a fucking fight where Michael Parks dresses up like a walrus and fights Justin Long walrus boy. While the song Tusk by Fleetwood Mac plays in the <laughs> background. <laughs> um... Fuck you with your three more bullshit. No, t- Chris, <laughs> we're over two hours. Um, I'm the one editing this week, and I have shit to do. <laughs> the Descent, Poltergeist, um, both Suspirias, The Lost Boys, The Omen, Christine, um, the old uh, Universal Monster movies are fantastic. Mm. Return of the Living Dead, bless that movie. Uh, I feel like I'm missing a lot. You're, you're whatever. You're not missing anything. <laughs> Oh, first Saw movie's great. Cool. And The Dead Don't Die is really fun. Alright. Split's pretty decent. Shut up. We talked about that all <laughs> Oh, and don't forget about Serial Mom, The Loved Ones, Multiple Maniacs, The Lure, which is a fantastic mermaid musical horror movie. I think we actually finished talking about <laughs> Creepshow like an hour ago. Nosferatu. God damn it. Um, Cabin in the Woods is a great satire. Oh, and don't forget about Grindhouse if you can get past the fact that Harvey Weinstein's a fucking monster. Are you done? Don't look now. (laughs) And you know what? Fuck it. Since it's come up a lot and Red Letter Media has recommended it and I'm going to recommend it too even though it is an absolute piece of shit but it is a good way to kick off your night. Wish Upon! From the director of the first Annabelle movie and Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Are you done? <laughs> I think so. Okay. I'll end it by recommending if you're looking for a superhero thing, Batman's The Long Halloween. Not because it's super scary, but just because it fits for the season. It is incredible. It's a, it's, it's my favorite Batman comic. It's mine too. It's a, a lot. It, Dark Knight actually took a lot of inspiration from it. Oh yeah, for sure. Like it's crystal fucking clear. Yeah. I think Nolan and Goyer actually wrote an introduction for my uh, edition. Nolan, uh, Nolan did. Oh, Nolan did? Um, okay. I have the same edition. But uh, we're done, right? We're done? We're done? Put your phone away. Put your fucking phone away. Oh, I didn't mention Tucker and Dale versus Evil. No! Or The Descent. <laughs> no, no, you did mention The Descent. Okay. Oh, and don't forget about Crimson Peak, speaking of Guillermo del Toro. Anyway, I'm done. Oh, thank Christ. <laughs> the Neon Demon. Shut up. Okay. Alright, Chris, since you're in a talkative mood, you can lead us out. (laughs) We are Sequel Decay, and I have a hundred more horror movies I'd like to recommend at this point. Do it on Twitter. (laughs) Um, You can follow... Speaking of that, you can actually follow all of us on Twitter. Um, Our handles are in the description, wherever you're listening to this. I'm Chris. This is Stefan. You can listen. You can listen to this show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Reanimator. What? <laughs> Ooh, Ishtar's a good horror movie too. Shut up. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, so you can listen to us on those uh, formats. You can also listen to us on Anchor. This is probably not on YouTube right now, but it probably will be later. Mm-hmm. But let's be fair. It's probably better that we're on this anyway, because then it's easier for you guys to listen to us on the go. Yeah. What else? You can follow the show on Twitter at Decay Sequel. You can follow the uh, show on Facebook, just at regular Sequel Decay. Mm. Uh, we usually post updates and stuff on there, and we also kind of hint at what the next week's episode is going to be based on, you know, how lazy I'm feeling at that moment. Yeah. I think it just spurted out like a hundred horror movies. Did. In like less than five minutes. I know, and I have to sift through all of that. <laughs> I mean, you don't really have to cut anything. They're all good. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. Just have to like, you just know and just like, okay, when does the line end? <laughs> <laughs> I have to write like an almost 3,000 word feature article tomorrow. And like the whole time I'm just going to have in the back of the mind is like, Shit, I have to filter through Chris talking about Tucker and Dale versus Evil for three hours tomorrow. Oh shit, right in Ghostbusters. Why did we forget about Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters is good. Ghostbusters is fantastic. <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening to the show. Stefan's gonna go yell at me now. Yeah, I'm gonna... Oh boy. Chris will not be on the next episode because he's gonna be in fucking traction. <laughs> <laughs> fucking kill me. Um, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Sequel Decay. Hopefully I'm there next week. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about again? I don't remember. Not horror movies? No, I don't, I don't remember what we're actually doing next week. Is, are we doing The Shining next week? No, because that comes out in two weeks. Okay. So what, is it How to Train Your Dragon? Oh, maybe. It might be How to Train Your Dragon. Which is definitely not a horror movie. <laughs> we can make it a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening to the show. Goodbye. Okay, see you, folks. Bye.